Welcome back to Our Soul, a podcast by Faith Choice Ohio, Ohio's faith voice for choice. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome back to Our Soul. Um, and today uh, is March 23rd. I, always, I just feel it's always important to say what a day it is. Um, everything is just like crazy um always um but today uh we are talking about what this year holds for us um so for those of you who don't know um i uh work for a organization called if one how um who uh is also a repro organization and one thing that we've been thinking about um internally is with the Dobbs v. Jehu um, Supreme Court case, you know, coming whenever it comes, um, how are we like preparing for that? And, you know, part of that is like, how are we preparing for that emotionally? How are we getting things ready, um, you know, physically? Um, making sure that we have the stuff that we need. Um, and this is also a question that I've seen repro jobs kind of introduce to their um, their audience is this question of like, how are you preparing yourself for um, this future that is that is coming? So um, you know, some people may think of this as the the calm before the storm, though it's not very calm. It's not calm here in Ohio. It's not calm in a lot of places. but I think now is the time that we're kind of, batting down the hatches and um, kind of building things up so that when the day comes, um, and it is coming, um, we are fully prepared for that. And just an update for for anyone who's listening to us who hasn't listened to us before, um, when we talk about Dobbs versus Jehu, that is the Dobbs versus JWHO, Jackson Women's Health Organization. It is a case before the Supreme Court right now that will impact abortion access nationwide. Um, I have a lot of people who, you know, they know that I work heavily in repro and they come up to me and say, so how are things going in repro? And much like Kelly shared at the beginning, like things are wild right now because of a lot of factors, right? A state legislature that's been hostile to repro for the last 15 years plus, um, really difficult problems with the pandemic, all of those things, but particularly this Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization and kind of that looming idea that the Supreme Court could just change everything in 11 weeks or so, right? Um, so just FYI, if you're, if you're late to the party, if you just heard that, um, reproductive health rights and justice are under attack right now, um, welcome. We're glad that you're here and, uh, we've already been preparing for this for quite a long while. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and a lot of the things that we will do, you know, post and, and thank you for, doing that kind of synopsis of, of what is the Supreme Court case, especially for people who, you know, are, are just trying to understand what's going on. Um, but uh, I feel like a lot of the things, at least for me, a lot of the things that I will do after the Jehu, or I, and I will say, 
I am intentionally saying uh, Jehu as in Jackson Women's Health Organization, um, because that is obviously the side that I support and um, the people that I hope would do well in this case. And um, often it's the the winners who get to tell the story. And I think it's really important to lift up like, even despite, you know, all of the odds and, and the most likely outcomes of the Supreme Court case, um, you know, it, it's, it's important to mention who, who is on the fighting side. So anyway. Absolutely. Um, but a lot of the work that I'll do post uh, the Jehu case um, is a lot of the stuff that I'm already um, doing. When it comes to uh, my work here at Faith Choice Ohio, um, I am just kind of preparing myself for, um, I mean, we we already do um, by, is it bi-weekly or bi-monthly? Because I'm I always, I'm never, I'm always confused about the it's twice a month. I don't know. It's twice a month. Whatever highfalutin educated people words, but twice a month we're doing self-managed abortion in good faith. A beautiful yes. training that can teach you all about self-managed abortion, abortion pills, right? Yes. Self-managed abortion. When we say it, it's about abortion pills. Uh, we're doing that training twice a month. Yes, and so a lot of the ways that I'm trying to prepare myself is just making sure that when I am giving that information, um, not advice, when I am giving that information that I um, am giving it in such a way that it is clear and um, as helpful as it can be for the people who need it. Because, you know, um, we, we offer our trainings and especially we have the, with a the focus on caring for the community and caring for those who um, we are with. And, I imagine that, you know, after the Jehu decision comes down, um, we may be, you know, giving this training for people who want to care for others, but who may also want to care for themselves. And I want to make sure that um, whoever is receiving this information is getting at least as accurate and as clear of information as I can give them. So um, I know for, for me, um, you know, behind the scenes look here, um, I have a whole script that I've written for how I do my SMA trainings, and um, I will be personally editing that and um, writing it by hand. I find it to be really helpful uh, to kind of get that mental connection to what I'm writing um, and just kind of commit that more to memory as well. Um, I have had... Um, some access to abortion doula training that um, I didn't have the capacity to actually use as much in the past. And so um, as we're leading up to this decision day, um, I find myself going back to that abortion doula training and, you know, redoing the videos and um, regaining some of that care knowledge, because I think a lot of what comes next is going to be about how community members care for each other um yeah so that's just yeah, one and, piece <laughs> and I, I think it's important you know kelly you you talk about all the preparation that goes into um the training and education that we provide at faith choice ohio education is one of our three main pillars right we we are an organization steeped in education advocacy and counseling right so we are helping educate folks about 
reproductive health rights and justice work. We're helping to advocate on multiple levels, not only publicly, but privately as well, uh, building local networks of clergy and lay people and people who are faith adjacent, right? That's the new language. Um, anybody, right? If you've got faith in uh, people needing to have access to abortion, that's faith, right? <laughs> and we do counseling, obviously, which is much, much more private than, than the rest of the process. But the way that you've described, you know, we're, we're all doing this right now. We're reworking all of our scripts, all of our trainings to make them as up-to-date as possible because they're literally changing by the month, by the moment, sometimes by the day, because the law is changing. And the way that we have to respond in this moment is changing. Jackson Women's Health Organization is the only clinic left in Mississippi. The reason that Dobbs v. Jehu is brought in this way is that people want um, on the other side of this issue, the, the anti-abortion zealot side of this issue, they want to completely alienate patients in the state of Mississippi from access to care. And frankly, they've accomplished that in no small measure already because there's only one clinic in the whole state. We in Ohio are very fortunate that we have eight, eight clinics left in our state. And I say very fortunate because we could have one, right? Um, we could have none. The reality is we used to have, you know, 40 years ago, we had close to 60 places where you could get an abortion in the state of Ohio. And we've gone in 40 years from 60 to eight to the point that now, depending on how Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, that case before the Supreme Court is, is finally decided, we could have anywhere between eight to zero to what I call less than zero. The criminalization of people seeking abortions even out of state has become this nouveau thing that um, you know, anti-abortion zealot lawmakers want to write into law. So we here at Faith Choice Ohio are being responsive to all of those needs and we're being responsive in ways that make sure that you have the education that you need, whoever you are listening right now, you are empowered to have the education you need to be able to be as responsive in your pro-choice values as you can because we do have faith in repro. We do have faith in people making their own reproductive health rights and justice decisions and care decisions up close and personal. And we believe that working through faith communities, we can leverage the moral authority of faith communities and the moral community that already exists around people to support folks in their decision making. So we're preparing in this place. And we this episode is just kind of to give you an idea of what we're doing behind the scenes and in front of uh, you know the, the work here. Because so much of what we do is behind the scenes work. So much of what we do is the individual clergy counseling, the individual clergy training, helping local congregations get linked up in ways that they can be prepared to be a part of transportation networks, to be a part of, you know, perhaps uh, even networks that have to be by nature clandestine in the future. Um, those realities are the work that we see every day. Um, it's definitely not obviously what the rest of the world sees every day because some people don't even know that there's a problem yet. Um, so we've got this big broad spectrum in the public of, of folk who 
um, are not aware of what's coming. And we just want you to be aware. We want you to have as much information as you can and to know that there are resources. You don't have to recreate resources. They're already here. If you want to know about uh, self-managed abortion in good faith, we've got you covered. If you want to know about how abortion relates directly to elements of transformative and you know restorative justice we've got a training for that kelly you know was invited to participate in uh you know an, an event here a little while back that we spoke about and kelly said hey i could offer this training and we said yes you can offer this training it would be fantastic right um when when is when is the next um restorative and transformative justice training so uh those are on the next one will be in april on the 14th april 14th so coming up here in a few weeks is the next restorative and transformative justice training and um you know i it's it's important work and it's it's a hard conversation to have and um you know talking about that behind the scenes stuff um what what people don't see is that you know I've, I've spent like granted this is like a new training that we're having publicly um but I've spent you know um a lot of the last year of my master's um focusing on restorative and transformative justice it's all I talk about on this podcast I read a lot of things <laughs> like personally um about restorative and transformative justice um and it's something that I think a lot about. And so when I come into these trainings, um, I'm not only like coming in with, with all of that and the material that's in the training, but also just like wanting to make space to have conversations because even after, you know, the reading that I've done and in that work, um, I still understand that there's a lot more to do. And a lot of that is based in, um, communities and, and, um, what we need in our space rather than uh what people have done before um another thing that we're doing to not only personally but um as a collective prepare um or as as a collective to prepare for um the world that is ahead is um you may have seen it you may have not have seen it but um just today we have published the intro blog for our next um, book club. You may have been a part of our restorative and transformative justice book club in the 2021 <laughs> last year. Which feels like a long time ago. Um, or you could have been a part of our abolition reads book club that we had last um, summer to fall. Um, but now we will be having another book club um, starting in April and going through till August, whatever five months is. Um, it might be yeah, I think August, um, where we'll, we'll be covering the five books in the reproductive justice um, starter kit from Haymarket Books. Um, but we actually are working with Loganberry Books in Cleveland um, to help distribute those if you if you want to be involved. But um, one thing that I want to mention before we go into that um, anymore is this uh, book club is actually co-hosted by me and Terry. Um, and I think that when, when thinking about why we made that decision, um, I think that that also is aligned with how we are preparing ourselves for a post-Jehu world. Um, 
I, when I've, I've done these book clubs for the last two sessions um, or two cycles, whatever, um, and I enjoy it and I like leading them. Um, however, it is a lot <laughs> to carry. Um, and I appreciate having, you know, my team with me to, to help do those book clubs, but sometimes it would be nice to be able to like take a month off and either participate or, you know, go on vacation or something. That'd be nice. Um, so I have asked Terry cause Terry is already reading those books anyway. Um, I've asked him to lead the off months. So I'm going to be leading the first one and then Carrie will lead the second one and then I'll lead the third and he'll lead the fourth and I'll lead the fifth and it's going to be great. And I think that that part of like, not only um, as a black femme um, that support um, is important to know that I don't have to carry that all the time, um, but also just in general, keeping out for the fact or keeping an eye out for the fact that like, these are some tough times coming ahead and we need to, to share the load if we're not going to get um, burnt out. And I, and I think what is so exciting for me about this book club is that, um, you know, in discussion about how we would go about co-leading a book club um, on reproductive justice, you know, my, my first question was like, I mean, I am not a black woman, right? I understand fundamentally that reproductive justice is a framework that some people say it was inherited from black women. And I like to remind people like, no, 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 it, it was rooted and is rooted and will forever be rooted in the experience of black women. Like it's not inherited by anybody. It's not taken over by anybody. Like I, as a white man, do not have a claim to the centrality of experience that grows reproductive justice framework, right? That that framework came from those RJ mothers, it came from those black women who stood up and said, no, our communities deserve more, our communities deserve, you know, that, that kind of three-part process of we should be able to have children, not have children, and parent the children we have in safe and sustainable communities. And on top of that, right, outside of that, as that grows, we have to understand how people who do not have that direct lived experience practice and uplift and participate in reproductive justice in ways that are not taking over the concept or trying to claim what is not ours. So what you're going to find during this, this book club is you know, the work, again, you know, Kelly shares uh, these fantastic, fantastic texts, and I gobble them right up, right? I immediately, I go, I go to Haymark or Haymarket or Loganberry Books, you know, Tony Thayer at Loganberry Books has just been fantastic. We'll put a, a link in the show notes that you can check out their fantastic bookstore in, uh, in Larchmere in Cleveland, Ohio. But like, um, I, I gobble up the reading, and then I come to Kelly, and I'm like, let's talk about this. Like, let's, you know, what, what amazing material is here. So my hope is that during this book club, it will be an opportunity for me to help provide space for people to learn how to engage this work, even if they do not have lived experience that's at the center of reproductive justice frameworks and the origin. How do you participate in the goodness of reproductive justice without taking it over and without demanding that other people do your work for you. 
right? Because as, as white people, um, as males, right, um, there are expectations often in our social construct that other people should do our work for us. And white men need to start doing our own work around a lot of things, right? And I strive to do that. I know I often fall short, but the beauty of being in community is that when you fall short, your community is there to pick you up, dust you off, and set you back on the road, right? So I'm, I'm really eager to, to get uh, into this book club series because there are a lot of people who say, why, you know, the world's burning down, repro's in a mess, why are you doing a book club? That is the essential part of our work at Faith Choice Ohio, that we recognize that you absolutely cannot pour from an empty cup. You absolutely cannot do this work if you do not have a centered system within your spirit that connects you to your why and connects you to other people. You cannot do this work in isolation. And you will not be able to do this work if your response is so steeped in trauma and the immediate non-responsive but rather reactive pushback that comes out of your spirit without being an examined reasoned process you have to be centered in yourself you have to be grounded in your ethics and you have to live the work because how you do the work is the work right how we live into a post you know, Jackson Women's Health Organization world, that's going to determine how this work gets done. So it is important that we take time to reflect. It's it, Reflection is as important as action in this process because action without reflection is just running into the wind, right? It's just running into the chaos without objectives, without strategy. And frankly, we've had way too much of that over the last 40 years in reproductive health rights and justice work. We've had way too much non, non-self-reflective work, right? And that's, that's the hope in this process, that we're able to bring people together in ways that give everybody opportunity to reflect on what we are able to do and then do that work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that kind of leads me to the the like third big thing that i'm at least i'm personally trying to do before you know um i jokingly um in my other job i do a lot of data work i do behind the scenes like donation tracking and uh organization it's uh on an honestly satisfying job um but uh, i keep calling it as the the day that the supreme court ruins <laughs> my life <laughs> Um, mostly because I find technology to sometimes be unreliable. It's, it's just gonna, it's just a lot to manage and then also the emotional distress. But as I prepare for that day, um, I've been considering lately the idea of, um, going on like a personal retreat and just going away and grounding myself, you know, um, I have been trying to learn how to get back into like journaling and writing down my reflections and um, doing like non-judgmental reflection because I think when it when it gets to the time that I already know is going to be traumatic and like hard, um, what I need to to be able to fall back on is like these are the things that I wanted to center myself in. These are these are like 
my values that I'm grounded in. And when I'm doing this work moving forward, when I'm moving out of a place of what probably will be a lot of adrenaline and a lot of caffeine, <laughs> um, like I want to focus on values that have set in a place that I feel comfortable in. Mm. Um, and that I, you know, have taken time to lay out for myself. So um, I'm, I've been thinking and talking to you um, some of my family members about, you know, going away for a weekend and kind of getting off social media and uh, just trying to reflect on like what it, what it looks like to carry on in this world that's so crazy and, and what we want to focus on um, in a future that we hope will be more, more thriving for us. Um, but, you know, yeah. we'll likely have a lot of challenges um, at the at the bare bones of like what we should be doing to prepare for the future, you know, even if I wasn't re-reviewing my SMA stuff, and even if we weren't doing a book club, at the bare bones, like that grounding in like, you know, we're doing this for the patients, and I, and I we're still going to know that when things hit the fan, um, but, you know, remembering that like at, at the center of this is this uh, value of bodily autonomy and personal consent and um, remembering what we're going back to and having, you know, uh, practices, personal practices for, for getting back to that place. Um, yeah, I think that's what's yeah. super important. And I, I, you know, so much of what you've shared, Kelly, I, I echo because for me as an ordained minister who never in a million years thought that, you know, my, my ministry would be characterized by as much uh, counseling and work and practical support around abortion as it has been in the last 10 years, um, you know, my ethics drive me every single day to do the work that we do here at Faith Choice Ohio, particularly the work that doesn't get, you know, up on the webpage or in front of people, you know, we're helping people with very, very critical counseling, both before and after their abortion experiences. We're helping people access transportation. We're helping people access congregations that can help fund their abortions. We fund abortions in this place every single week, right? And we do all of that because we do believe in bodily autonomy. We do believe in personal consent. We do believe in informed consent. And we fundamentally believe in the dignity of every single person to make their own healthcare decisions. And that includes decisions about abortion. We're not going anywhere. We know the Supreme Court might do whatever the Supreme Court does. And we're still going to be here the day after the Supreme Court ruins our day because there will be a day after the Supreme Court has ruined our day. And our goal is to make sure that the Supreme Court doesn't ruin every day for every patient who needs an abortion in Ohio. That's our goal. And that's our work because we are centered in that ethic of care and compassion and dignity for people who actually need real assistance and real help. Mm -mm. on that note um, that is the end of what is the 49th episode of our soul tune in next week or not next week but next podcast for our 50th episode um, and whatever that is <laughs> and we'll see you then 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Soul. If you'd like to hear more of our conversations on religion, abortion access, and all things repro, you can find all our episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. For more content, training, and other information, check us out at faithchoiceohio.org.